Welcome to Revealing Men, conversations that pull back the curtain, revealing the inner lives of men. I'm Randy Flood, psychotherapist and director of the Men's Resource Center of West Michigan. I'd like to introduce and welcome Al Haystack and Brian Mulder to the Revealing Men podcast. These guys are two leading therapists in our transformation toward a healthy sexuality program here at the Men's Resource Center. So welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Alan Bryan um, lead and co-facilitate groups for men who are struggling with their sexual behaviors, particularly around sex addiction or unhealthy sexual compulsions. Um, this can manifest in affairs, porn addiction, pay-for-sex activities, or just general untethered promiscuity. All behaviors that can lead to shame, pain, loneliness, and broken relationships. So the Transformations Program has been helping men who struggle in their sexuality since 2000 when we founded the Men's Resource Center. And Al came on board in 02, been here a while, and Brian more recently. Um, And so while we get to help men recover and restore their lives into a more healthy and relational sexuality, we believe this struggle to some degree is every man's battle. Um, In other words, males can be socialized into a sexuality where a non-relational or transactional sexuality is taught, prized, and normalized. So because of this, all men can be vulnerable to struggle with developing what we call a healthy sexuality rather than just men who have sex addictions or sexual acting out problems. So let's talk today, you guys, about this more from a general perspective in terms of how it impacts all men. And of course, we'll talk a little bit about the men we work with in our groups where they come in with true addictions or compulsions that are put them in crisis. So how would you guys define, I mean, I kind of said a little bit in the introduction, kind of what is a typical um, male socialization process that, um, that teaches men a certain idea about what sex is and its purpose. Say a little bit about what's your sense of that. So many of the men who come to us have a problem with pornography. I mean, that, that tends to be one of the most common baseline issues. Yeah. And um, so, um, of course, it's all, out, you know, it's all out there. And so many of our men will tell you that they started looking at porn um, you know, when they were in middle school, so many guys, we have so many guys that, um, uh, you mentioned 2000, 2002 men's resource center. Well, right. that's also a specific time with high speed internet. Right. So right around that time, the dial up started to go away and there was more high speed internet. And so we've got all these guys who have been you know, exposed to pornography in high-speed internet for a long time. And, um, um, and many men kind of stay there, but, but others escalate, escalate into chat rooms, escalate into, with escorts, um, infidelity for guys who are in partnerships. So, and then some guys get into illegal images um and or get get in trouble with indecent exposure or other kinds of illegal sexual kind of stuff. Right. And so what is it just about maybe you can say something about this Brian just so it's what is it about pornography that again 
maybe teaches men some erroneous or distorted beliefs about sexuality. Um, say, say something about that. Yeah, I think it's kind of a one-way interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot about vulnerability in groups, and with pornography, there's not a lot of vulnerability required. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a, a uh, imaginary world in a way. It's a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, one of the main things we talk about in a group is uh, working on vulnerability, yeah. um, being assertive. Um, and in that world, there's um, that's not really required. Right. Um, and it then tends to grow. Things, um, things grow in the shadows. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I always um, heard, I think we've mentioned this and talked about it before, this Ronald Levant and Gary Brooks and some of those guys that talk about non-relational sexuality and that men are socialized into a non-relational sexuality or a transactional. Um, so you guys are working with guys who, who are struggling <clears throat> with significant problems in that, but you're also trying to teach them something different about sexuality. So I'm wondering if you can say something about that. I remember I was at a men's gathering and a man was talking about that, kind of leading the workshop. Mm-hmm. And he stood up and and he he placed his his hands um, uh, between his head and and right around his waist. Said, you know, this is where we this is where we need to live, you know, in our hearts and our emotions. Mm. But so many of us live, and then he put his hands uh, between his chin and the top of his head, and between his waist and and his thighs. Right. Right. You know, it's like okay, so many of us live, you know, in our heads and in our groins, rather than in our hearts. In our emotions, mm. which gets back to what Brian was saying about vulnerability, right? You know, so a non-relational sexuality obviously would probably not include that chakra of <laughs> 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 the more the heart and chest. It's mm. more of a uh, movement toward conquest, or or just sensation focused, or. Um, where this, your the imagery that you just gave, it's like if all of that's together, that's more integrated. It's it's more um, there's emotional intimacy as part of your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the work we do in group is developing that of men learning to communicate what's happening inside with other men. Yeah. Of so we usually start with we do a brief meditation time. And we take a minute, and the goal is just notice what's happening. Yeah. What are you feeling? What are you feeling physically, emotionally? And then a big part of what we do in group is learning to just identify that. So talk about like a more holistic idea right. is to become more aware of what's happening and then to be able to express it. Mm. And starting with uh, your own awareness within yourself and then being able to communicate that with other men. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in groups, so experientially, you you are teaching them something about intimacy that obviously is non-sexual, and so that becomes a way of helping mm-hmm. 
become more interested maybe or more aware that that's possible for them. And I think also broadening the idea of what sexuality is, that uh, part of sexuality, sex is connection. (laughs) And so what we do in group is not a separate thing. It is kind of expanding our ideas of what sexuality is. It's Mm -hmm. not just physical. (laughs) It's not, you know, either like I was talking about, just a a fantasy in your head. And it's not just a physical act. It's intimacy is your whole body, your thoughts, your emotions. Yeah. Because we are aware that um, sexual acting out, sex addiction is often referred to as a disorder of intimacy, an Mm -hmm. intimacy disorder. Right. Right. And in our domestic group, we can talk about, well, there's anger issues, but we know that, you know, the heart of those problems are, it's, it's about control, right? And it's about not being accountable. And so this is, we're, we're really trying to focus on vulnerability and connection to ourselves. I, I, I thought it was sort of, I don't know, in some ways trite when I first heard heard the takeoff on the word intimacy. But the more I thought about it, it's like there's really a lot of truth in it when somebody says, break down the word intimacy. In to me, see? You know, it's like allowing myself to be seen, allowing myself to be real, allowing myself to be not just naked physically, but naked emotionally and vulnerably. And when men are able to do that with each other, I mean, before we came on this today, Brian and I were talking about this event, our discussion, and I was sharing with him that um, I think there's a real connection between the lack of connection between men growing up Certainly, I can identify with that, where I had a lot of buddies, played ball together, a lot of baseball, a lot of basketball, but didn't really have a deep intimacy with other guys. Right. So then how am I going to learn to do that with a partner if I haven't practiced that? Right, right. Yeah. I have a lot of ideas for books someday when I'm going to retire and write. One of them was this provocative name called Men Getting Naked. (laughs) And then they'd be picking it up, whoa, you know, but it's all about (laughs) men being, exposing themselves and being, you know, they're naked with their emotions and what's going on in their inner lives. And that's the metaphor, but... (laughs) So that's what you're, you know, you were referring earlier, Brian, you know, sexuality is bigger. Um, so it's like in some, in, a, in essence, men are getting naked with each other in the group <clears throat> in terms of right sharing mm-hmm. what's going on with them and teaching them that that's part of what intimacy is besides this real narrow concretized view of um, intimacy is sex and, ana- and anatomy and sensation and thrill. It's a broadening. Yeah. 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 So what do you guys do with with guys who come in, their sexuality has gone untethered and they're at a place where it has caused harm to themselves or others. Uh-huh. And they come in perhaps, you don't have to, we've been talking about you know the beauty of sexuality, but they come in maybe now with a negative relationship 
with their sex. It's like my sex has been a weapon. It's been dangerous. It's been untethered and um, and it's been hurtful. So now they want to maybe have this energy to clamp down on it and and you know put it under wraps and so that doesn't hurt myself or others. Do you notice that stage or that place? Yeah, yeah, often. Um, and it's different with every person, mm-hmm. right? And the answers are different for every person um, because there's a reality for some people that there needs to be a uh, a tightening, <laughs> yeah, there is a more like, more control. Yeah, you got to get a find a tether, right? And and also <laughs> that can lead to other problems mm-hmm. of when we don't know how to be assertive and talk about what we need and want and what we are into, right? Like that leads to bottling up and explosions right. of a lot of the harm that's done is not being able to, it's not the sensuality, sexuality is not the problem. It it right. was bottled in such a way and then it explodes in a way right. that has hurt others. Right. So yeah, so for some, a some sort of like a more controlled uh, approach is helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we talk about this a lot yeah. in the group of like, does this mean I just need to shut everything down? Right. Turn the faucet off? And for some, that can be healthy for a time in right. a way of even talking about masturbation. Should I just not do that? Right. For some, uh, that could be helpful. And others, that's different. So right. it's it's so different depending on right. where where people are at. <laughs> Well, you guys talk about sexual sobriety, and mm-hmm. I think that early in the <clears throat> process, there's this you know, 90 days of you know being sober to then reintroduce sex back into your life kind of a thing. And so I think what you're saying, Brian, is that there was there's a time where that if it has been untethered and it has been destructive, that there might be a need for some tightening down and some boundaries and such. But if it gets overcorrected, and then there's just this where Patrick Carnes talks about you know, sexual anorexia, mm-hmm. where there's this you know real repressive space. Then that doesn't you know reach the goal, which is transformations toward a healthy sexuality, not transformations toward no sexuality. Right. <laughs> right. So the issue with pornography can often not just be about sex. Of course, sex is kind of the, yeah, the content. But the but it's, it's a real mood-altering sort of disorder. Right. You know, it's like I'm, this is how I'm mood-altering. And um, so part of what we talk with guys about is, well, you know, if you're trying to do something different, well, what else can you do in a healthy way to mood-alter? Right. right. Um, so, so that can be part of it. So we're we're obviously wanting to talk about kind of a relapse prevention, and uh, but also talking about their beliefs about sexuality and their beliefs about themselves and their overall sort of practices of of their life. You know, are they working out? Are they going for walks? Are they right. playing music? You know, all all of all of that, right? Um, but the sobriety that you talk about, um, everybody defines that, you know, differently. And 
we haven't had too many guys that come in and say, well, you know, I'm not going to, I've decided to be totally abstinent from any sort of sexual activity for the next couple of months. That, that's, I think some guys may, may do that on their own or whatever, but I, you know, we don't hear a lot of that, but it certainly is a lot about trying to develop a healthy relationship right. with sex. So like Brian is saying, on the one hand, yeah, what are the boundaries that you need so that you're not just, you know, maybe you need some accountability software. So for a while here at least, so that you're, you got some support and you got some boundaries so that you're not just right. off into this. Right. Um, but how can you start developing a, a healthier relationship to the gift of sexuality? Yeah. I like that, the gift. So that takes us back to kind of this every man's battle type of thing rather than focusing just on the guys who seek treatment having issues. It's like, you know, we all raised in a culture where um, maybe sex wasn't introduced to us as a, as a gift, as something sacred. Um, you know, we're mm. explicitly here in West Michigan and, <laughs> and it's a more conservative community. Um, and some of the guys we work with are raised in cultures perhaps where sex is stigmatized or looked at as bad or dangerous or sinful or something to stay away from. Um, so there's a maybe repression. And then there's some people that have an overexposure um, and they're in an environment where sex is seen as something that we have conquests and women are to be objectified and they're play toys. And so I wonder if you could speak to how, why is it a every man's battle? What what is it about the culture in which we grow up in? So, on the religious side, um, it is. I think it's really challenging. Um, you, you know, we have a, a lot of um, faith communities, and certainly there's a a, a large segment of of Christian communities, faith communities here in West Michigan, and and when the message to uh, to young people is, well, we don't really deal with this until you get married. That, that's, that's sort of, um, that, that's, that, that opens up a door to uh, a lot of uh, challenges. Right. And, uh, and of course there can be values around all this and discussions. Um, um, but I, I, I think that, that um, there is more discussions um, and a lot of that, is happening, and young people are talking to each other about about these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of the light switch approach of uh, <laughs> it's we turn it off, and then okay, and you're married. <laughs> flip the switch, and you sh- should be able to figure it out and talk about it and be comfortable, right? And that doesn't seem to be a reality, right? <laughs> um, right. Yeah, and so somebody who's from a younger generation can say, "Well, gosh, you know, maybe that's how." you know, it used to be done, but that, that doesn't have, actually hasn't worked very well. Uh, and, and, uh, and it's not that faith communities can't have values or need for discussions or all that kind of thing. But like you right. just said, it's. It, well, what if we looked at it as these, I don't know which one of you said it, it was that sex is a gift. It's a, it's, 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 it's a powerful gift. I think it was, um, I can't remember what a psychologist said that it's like a, it's like a, like a power tool. You wouldn't give it, uh, you know, a power tool to like a five or six or eight year old because they're going to hurt themselves with it. Um, you don't give a, a, a fork to a 
kid that's learning how to just eat. Um, so sexuality is 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 a gift, and it is powerful. So it has to be introduced or talked about in a real delicate, sacred way. And, um, so how can we do better at that? And do you guys do that in group? You know, where you start talking about it. Um, so these guys that have had sex that have harmed themselves and others. How do you have that discussion of sex as a gift? It's mm-hmm. it's not uh, it doesn't have to be hurtful. First Compulsive. by by normalizing conversations about it. <laughs> yeah. Of right, like in my upbringing, it just wasn't talked about, and the mm-hmm. in, the unstated message was like, well, we don't talk about this. Someday it'll be okay, but for now we don't talk about it. So I think to start mm-hmm. with, just normalizing conversation. You guys do that in group? Just begin mm-hmm. to get people to talk more openly? Yeah. 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 It's a big part okay. of what we do if, if okay. we can talk about it. Right. It's it's in the open. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I just think of pleasure, sensuality, of learning to celebrate those things and treat them as gifts. Right. And, and develop a sexual ethic that is more nuanced than the light switch approach. Right. Of, um, yeah, it is important. It's pretty core to who we are. Right. We're sexual beings. It's like right. you can't turn that off. Right. Um, it's part of what it is to be a person. Right. I always thinking about it. You know, it's like they talk about, you know, in our psychology classes about motivation and stuff and the different drives we have as humans. You got a hunger drive, you got a sex drive, and you got all these different things. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we we teach people how to manage their, their hunger. You know, you don't like you you have this hunger and you got uh, all this food and you walk by someone else who's got food and stuff like that, but you got to have a civilized way of consuming your food. And hopefully you have a healthy way of consuming your food rather than eating just junk food. So we teach the ethics of how to manage a hunger drive. And so how can we look at, again, the sex drive is, is normal. It's a gift. And so how can you have an ethic around how you can view sexuality and maybe even see beautiful women out there or beautiful whoever you're attracted to, but then how do you manifest that or practice that in your life mm-hmm. in an ethical way rather than it's just this, I only eat whatever the hell I want when I want. <laughs> yeah, and I think of, on the other side of objectification, I think of a more holistic approach at consent encompasses so much of that of because yeah. within consent it is not just what one person thinks and wants desires mm-hmm. it's it's a two-way street mm-hmm. it's consent implies you have to be able to talk about it right. and it's not just what you it's mm-hmm. it's an agreement it's so i think a healthy sexual ethic i mean a baseline there has to be consent right <laughs> and there's a lot of nuances involved in consent right. Power dynamics. Um, it's um, there's a lot to unpack within consent. Right. <laughs> and historically, I think we followed scripts, mm. and that's you know, and these scripts were not about having consent. It's like I, there's gendered scripts around sex, and you saw that play out in movies and you know, the American Pie and Porky's and all these different scripts of get the girl. And <laughs> um, and I think you're talking about this kind of more 21st century um, approach, which is when you meet with someone, you, rather than having a script that's in your head, you have to be out loud and start having this conversation. Yeah, it's a dialogue. 
Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than a, a fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, something that exists in, in your own mind, it's, okay, what happens when I have to speak those things yeah. and then have a response? <laughs> and negotiation, mm-hmm. agreements, compromises. Yeah. 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 And within consent, um, kind of the sky's the limit if, if you're able to, within consent, discuss it, right. <laughs> agree, and all those other many factors are right. met. There's so, there's so much freedom possible within right. that, but it's when things can't be talked about, there's secrets, they grow, then those explosions happen and there's violations of trust. There's secrecy, there's things that grow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, just to comp- and go with what you are going to say is that Relational sexuality can be sensual, erotic, fun, adventurous. I think sometimes we have this binary thinking that gratuitous sex, you know, and pornography, that's where all the adventure and fun and inerotic is. It's like to be able to see that you can oh, you can bring these these things together. Um, and hopefully I would imagine you're teaching that in the groups too. Yeah. 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 I th- I think the the whole thing that Brian's talking about of Having, having things in the open and talking about it. So, and, and that we don't figure out what's really healthy in isolation. I mean, we're, we're part of human communities, right? We're, right. we're social creatures. We're, um, so, you know, you mentioned food. So we look at food, of course, because we're inundated with all the possibilities that, that, you know, that we can consume. But how is it that people get to, sort of a healthy understanding of for themselves. Well, there's lots of different forums for talking about that. You know, right. it might be at Thanksgiving, it might be all kinds of different ways that people feel safe to talk about food. Right. You know, where everybody's talking about food, right? Well, so back to talking about it and the secrecy and where are the forums to talk about sex? Right. Well, we know that one of the forums is is the internet, and I can still remember hearing a sex educator woman talking about where you know. Let's just ask ourselves: Where are most adolescents today learning about sex? Well, they're on the internet, <laughs> learning about it, um, and so we just need to have more of these you know these these discussions, and uh, so that's what goes on in our group. We're talk we're talking about these very important conversations right. about intimacy, about care, respect, consent. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I know that there's probably good information out there um, on the internet about sexuality, but <clears throat> I'm not so sure that the young person, you know, out there searching runs into those ones. <laughs> Right. Yeah, if you just type in sex, <laughs> there's a lot of things to say. Everything's out there. Yes. It, right. would, it would require a lot of intentionality to find helpful right. conversations. Yes. Most of the time, it's the, you know, it's a sixth grader typing in boobs, you know, or something <laughs> like that, you know, something that's really, you know, um, not a good search term, shall mm-hmm. we say. Um, so, what. What do you hear from guys who, you know, like 
long-term marriages, long-term committed relationships that, you know, maybe this problem has gone, you know, kind of this duplicitous life, this secret life that's gone on forever. And maybe they've had a way of kind of functioning with some <clears throat> sexuality in their relationship, or maybe there's been some sexless marriages or whatever, but they've stayed together. It's been pretty civil. He's a nice guy. He's a, he goes to work. He's responsible in many different ways, but he's got this secret life. Then it's discovered, right? His wife finds out about it in incredible amounts of pain and betrayal. Um, and then they are committed mm. to working this out and they're on this journey together and trying to figure out how to restore the relationship. I imagine you hear a lot of themes around that in, in the group. Not only restoring my own life, but how do I restore this relationship? Restore trust. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the trust can be broken. I mean, I think uh, it's safe to say that most of the guys we have who have partners, whether it's uh, an affair or whether it's, uh, you know, going to a strip club, mm-hmm. um, the, the trust can get, can get very damaged. You know, I mean, I remember a, a guy many years ago that we had come into our group who uh, hadn't been married for very long. And uh, it was a discovery of pornography. And uh, and, I, and I think, you know, the relationship just, it was kind of like over right there, uh, right? So it it's the broken trust can be from many different um, uh yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily be infidelity. Right, right. And then the question of how to restore trust is talked about all the time in group. Mm. It's, it's a very, very common yeah. thing to be working through. And often uh, it's a hard position to be in for uh, a lot of these men who have have like done something that's led to the breach in trust. Right. Uh, is it like, oh, who am I to, you know, right. to talk about what I need or want or have right. any boundaries? And how do I get this back? And yeah. how can I make it happen quick? <laughs> right, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. happen quick no, it often. Doesn't. No. Um, and there's and then there's the the journey back to trust is a couple different journeys. It's uh so usually in group, it's the guy working on becoming trustworthy mm. and their partner working at working through their own journey right of healing and figuring out what yeah. that looks like and do i trust again because to trust again is make myself vulnerable to being yeah. hurt mm-hmm. again um and i know that having done <clears throat> marital counseling with with someone who's working their recovery program in the transformations group and then they're doing marital work concurrently is that I've had women, you know, talk about just in their own in the middle of sex going, Are you do you see me? Are you thinking about your affair partner? Are you mm-hmm. thinking about por- pornographic images? They just you know, it's like have this distrust that they're actually engaged. Mm-hmm. Are you present? Are you with me? And so even though there's sexuality happening in a marriage, there's still a, a worry that there's there's an affair of the mind that's still going on and they want to know that you're present. So it's just a lot of rebuilding of that trust. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think one of the big challenges for many of our men is this whole shame issue of feeling really badly mm-hmm. about themselves. And, uh, um, and, and maybe, uh, maybe not having a real healthy understanding of sexuality in the first place or of themselves. Yeah. And, and so how, how do you begin to deal with your, or, or re- relate to your partner that you care about when they're, you've wounded them, your behavior has wounded them, and then they, you know, the partner responds to you in an angry way or a not trusting way, and and then your shame gets ignited. That that's really that's really difficult, and I think that's where again the group really helps because all these guys are struggling with the same thing. Yeah, right. And the shame we haven't talked about it. We that's another podcast, but just the shame from maybe their own sexual trauma mm-hmm. that we often see that with guys in the group that mm. they that they have their own experience with being objectified and and you know exploited, and so then they do what Anna Freud talks about the replication compulsion. You know, then they're here in their adult life now they're acting out and objectifying right. and. Um, and so there's a lot of shame with that unresolved trauma and connecting with that as mm-hmm. part of their healing. Mm-hmm. The thing I was thinking about in this conversation is just the idea of invitation that this comes up so often with guys that go through something really hard or maybe um, cause a lot of the pain and they feel responsible. And still that pain can be an invitation to a different way of doing things mm. of uh, kind of a wake up of this is not working. The yeah. way we've been doing things is not working. How do we build something that works? Mm. So it it's fairly common that a ways into the journey, so a guy will reflect and say, I, there's actually some gratitude mm. for what happened, for being found out, for things yeah. uh, blowing up because it was an invitation to do something different. Yeah. To rebuild and say, oh, I wasn't, neither of us were getting what we wanted right. and needed. Yeah. They're always surprised. They say, you're not going to believe this right now yeah. early on in therapy, but <clears throat> it's possible that you can look at this problem as a gift and that you're going to be more healthy and have a, a deeper intimate relationship, a healthier relationship with your sexuality than the mere normals that are walking because mm-hmm. you're going to be doing some work to looking at this, deconstructing it, reconstructing it, and it's going to be better. Yeah. Um, so you're in the pain of it now and the shame of it now, but believe, believe me that this is possible. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for a lot of uh, for a lot of men, uh, their sexual acting out or or the sex addiction develops into a a, a way of of not feeling shame, or mm-hmm. it's the medication for the shame when it when it occurs. Right. That's that's um, uh, th- that's really difficult, and part of the part of the the power of the group is is that they're there for each other to to, to, to so that men uh, recognize that okay, rather than going to my go to, which is really 
going to just be a ticket for more shame because I'm just going to feel bad about it. I can start learning how to connect with others. Mm -hmm. I can actually, oh, I'm going to show up to group tonight and actually talk about what I did yesterday rather than not show up to group and feel, feel bad about what I did yesterday and then use that as a ticket to go do it some more. So the shame and the acting out end up feeding each other and, and shame is not the friend of recovery. You know, vulnerability, mm. honesty, connection and support from others, that's, that's what helps men right. heal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys talking about this and it's, I like, I kind of like the name of our program, Transformation Sort of Healthy Sexuality, rather than how to stop using porn program or, you know, all about stopping, 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 where our ultimate goal is, is for guys to have a healthy connection with themselves and others and sexuality being part of that and, and celebrating that beautiful gift of sexuality within committed relationships and consensual relationships. So appreciate you guys coming in and talking about that. Yeah, I also just want to say how the, the group experience, I think on a, on a kind of a macro level, uh, provides this um, spirit of, of, of peace of of acceptance that um, men can begin to make more peace with themselves mm. and and develop a deeper sense of of acceptance of themselves and uh, and that then helps them see the gift of their problem that brought them in the door not that that was a good thing right. but but that it became an opportunity a door to mm. Uh, a transformed understanding of themselves that they can actually be, oh, gosh, I do have feelings. I am vulnerable. I can talk about my hurt. Um, and there are other men who can do that. And, uh, and that that work can be what helps them have a better relationship. That the vehicle to having a better relationship isn't just going to couples counseling. It's to work on your own making peace with yourself. And uh, mm. and that's a lot of what we see going on in these groups. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, thanks for doing the work, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming and talking about it, too. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Revealing Men. If you're looking for more information about counseling, coaching, and consultative services, please visit the Men's Resource Center of West Michigan online at menscenter.org. Also, feel free to contact us on our website if you have questions about this segment, ideas for a topic, or would like to be a guest on the Revealing Men podcast. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a rating so others can find us. Be well and have a great day.